Welcome to the Future of Everything podcast with world-renowned futurist and best-selling author, Nick Webb. In this episode, Nick will share the big future trends that are impacting your organization in the areas of innovation, emerging technologies, leadership, and the rapidly changing workplace. Get ready to see the future. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Webb. Hi, this is Nick Webb, and welcome to The Nick Webb Show. As you may recall, my first 24 tips in these podcasts are the 24 tips for 2024, and they're based on some of my best-selling books and some of the deep trend research we do in our consulting practice, leveraging our proprietary trend GPS system. So in other words, what I did is I took a look at the landscape to determine what were the big things that we as leaders and entrepreneurs and managers need to think about in 2024 to make sure that we meet our organizational and even our career objectives. Now, the first few episodes included the importance of getting clear, the importance of happiness, understanding your marketscape, understanding your culture, understanding yourself, understanding how to be a data-driven leader, and ultimately, understanding how to leverage the superpower of innovation to drive unbelievable levels of enterprise success, as much as a 60% increase on the returns on strategic goals. So those have already been covered. Now, we get to go into episode 8. And episode 8 is really super exciting for me. In my best-selling book, Happy Work, I discovered that the organizations that were the most profitable, the organizations that attracted and retained mission-critical talent, the organizations that had the highest level of efficiency and productivity and ultimately return on human capital were organizations that made happiness a priority. In fact, I recently had the great honor of being able to train more than 70,000 Mayo Clinic employees on the concept of happiness and joy. So it turns out happiness is a real thing, and it should be for every entrepreneur, for every CEO, for every individual. This should be your biggest priority. So why should we care? Well, number one, there is a talent drought. As I've told many people, there are unemployed people And there are talented people, but there are no unemployed, talented people. To get great talent, you've got to get them from somebody else. And the currency that you need to use is not cash. It's not the deal. Those are the old days. Today, it's about creating an opportunity for that employee to be happy. That's the truth. Now, I'm old and (laughs) therefore was trained to believe that I exchanged my time in life for cash. And much of us were trained to believe that work is about trading your time for cash. But the smart emerging workforce goes, wait a minute, that's not so much what I'm interested in. I'm interested in happiness. I'm interested in personal growth. I'm interested in feeling at home at work. And the good news is we can make all of those things happen with the new research that has been uncovered about what the new workforce is really looking for. And I'm going to share that with you today. So the first thing is we have to address the drought of talent 
to be able to attract talent away from other organizations. In other words, we have to scalp somebody else's talent. And the only way that we do that is to create the best work environment. Okay, so that's why we have to deal with a talent drought. The other issue is, is that in a time of soaring inflation, in a time of a shrinking economy, there is no way that we can have anything other than 100% efficiency or productivity per FTE. In other words, we have to get a far better return on human capital. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't like using terms like return on human capital because it seems to demote human beings into machines. But it is, of course, true that we have to make money off the people that we hire. They have to deliver the maximal level of productivity. I will tell you with 100% certainty, you cannot do that unless you have a very happy employee. They're only productive when they're happy. They're only productive when they believe in your mission. They're only happy when they see their work as home and a place that they can grow. If they don't have that, they will not give you their productivity. The other thing that we need, especially in the thinking economy, in the thinking economy, we need thinkers. And thinkers have to be present. And they can only be present when we manage their risk and their health and their well-being. In fact, in the management world, we call this presenteeism. It's their heads in the game phenomenon. So there you go. We have to be able to get a far better return on human capital. We have to increase productivity and we have to increase presenteeism. Now, the secondary benefits of presenteeism, we also improve quality and safety and all those other things that we want employees to possess. We want a safe employee that is healthy and happy and and, uh, is ultimately delivering quality to our enterprise and ultimately to our customers. Here's the last part. It's the right thing to do. If we own an organization or we have the privilege of leading an organization, we have a crushing responsibility to make certain that the people that are in our hands, our employees, that they're loved and cherished and cared for. We really do. We have to care about the people to the point that we become their evangelist. We become their advocate. And regrettably, most organizations don't see the world that way. They still see it as hiring people where we give them cash for them to give us our time. We have to address the drought. We have to address the productivity. We have to address presenteeism. And we have to create a cultural ether that results in attracting and retaining better talent. Now, here's the cool thing about having a great culture of happiness is that happy people, smart people, normal people, those folks know other smart, happy, normal people. So it creates a funnel of talent into our organizations when we bring in great talent. And conversely, when we bring in bad talent because we have a toxic culture, then they encourage other people that are low-quality thinkers and have you know a different view of the universe. And then, of course, things start, start to really spiral. Okay, so there you go. How do we do this? 
How do we create a culture of happiness? Well, in our practice, we have a thing called happiness as a service, where we suggest that organization, I'm sorry, as a strategy, we suggest that organizations bolt on a happiness as a strategy, in other words, a plan for happiness into their enterprise culture to make it the mandate from the board level down to create an incentive and an initiative that ensures happiness. So in other words, we have to start by committing. And that commitment has to go all the way to the board level. Then once we commit, we need a plan. And that's where we build in happiness as a strategy. And if you want to get more information about this exciting area, always feel free to reach out to me. I'd be glad to share some ideas with you. The other thing is, is that there is this new exciting thing that we work on very aggressively called human experience innovation. And human experience innovation realizes that there are, you know, multiple sort of hemispheres of, uh, of, of happiness ecosystems, right? So we have to make our employees happy, but we also have to make our customers happy. And it turns out happy customers help us drive happy employees. And conversely, there is no way to deliver CX or customer experience without having happy employees, So it's very important as you think about your happiness strategy to realize that it has to be holistic. It has to include the realm of happy employees while also developing your CX strategy. A good HX strategy, human experience strategy, is really about how can we do a better job of delivering better experiences to our vendors so that we can collaborate with them better? How can we deliver a better experience to our partners, to our community, to our employees, to our customers? Are you beginning to sense here that there is an ecosystem associated with human experience? There are so many people that we as leaders and we as organizations touch that we have to make sure that we have in our holistic happiness as a strategy plan a way to touch them all in a positive way. The dividends are amazing. I would argue that in 2024 and beyond, if you do not have a happiness as a strategy plan, you do not have a chance at having a great culture. If you don't have a great culture, you are losing millions or perhaps tens or hundreds of millions of dollars in potential revenue as a result of less than required customer experiences, less than required quality of work for your employees uh, and your ability to attract those talents. And also, you're going to lose innovation opportunities by collaborating with vendors and partners. So the benefits are real. And it's something that if we don't take advantage of this great, powerful area of building out these plans and building out human experience innovation, chances are we will fail. And when I say fail, it doesn't necessarily mean bankrupt, but it certainly means that you won't be optimized to hit your enterprise and personal departmental goals even. All right. So what do we do to create a culture of happiness? Well, I'm going to try to tell you that in the five minutes I've got left. Number one is that we have to be a mission that's worthy. We have to be a mission that's worthy. You'll, you'll notice, and I found this out in researching my book, Happy Work, is that the happiest um, organizations and employees always wound up being the ones that I found that were the most financially successful. And of course, there's been several studies to show that happy customers and happy employees <clears throat> drive profitability and market leadership. 
so the, 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 the need to create uh, happy employees is big. And here's, here's how we get there. We have to have a mission that's worthy. Are we communicating? Because every happiness as a strategy plan has a communication strategy within it. In other words, how we communicate, collaborate uh, with our employees and partners. Are we communicating the importance of our mission? I don't, you know, I, I had the opportunity to work with a, a person that prepared my heater in my office. And he came out and, you know, I have to say, you know, he's on a mission, uh, one heater at a time. He loves what he does. He believes in the impact that he's having to people. And he's proud of the impact that he's having. And uh, so it doesn't have to be uh, curing cancer to be able to have a worthy mission. We just need to make sure that we communicate to our employees the human impact of our mission. Okay, here's the other thing that you have to realize. Employees want to feel like home. Data shows that employees that have deep friendships and have an environment that's non-hostile, that's non-bullying, that's accepting, that's inclusive, that's fair, that's honorable, that's transparent. When we create those virtues within our organization, people dig us. And when people dig us, they want to do more for us. And they also want to stay and they want to tell their cool friends about us. So it works, right? It really works when we realize that people want to feel at home. And the reason I like to use the term at home to un to sort of uh, serve as a blanket to these virtuous uh, characteristics is that, you know, we don't expect to be bullied at home. We don't expect to be disrespected at home. We don't expect to have non-transparency at home, right? So when we think about our organization as being like home, it means that we love and care and respect the people there like family, like we really genuinely um, are doing the right and honest and honorable things. I know this sounds corny and it may even seem hard to institutionalize, but the best brands are doing it. And in our consulting work, we have the great honor of helping them do it. Okay, so we have to create a place that's like home. We have to have a mission that's worthy, and we have to communicate that mission to our employees. The second thing that's so important is that everybody wants to be involved in the authorship of their own personal and professional and spiritual evolution. I met a friend of mine the other day that I hadn't seen for a while, and he seemed sort of downtrodden. And I said, hey, what's up? He said, yeah, my wife and I just got a divorce. I said, wow, you guys were like a great couple. I mean, I've known these people for 18 years, and all of a sudden, they're no longer married. I said, well, my God, what happened? He said, well, we just both felt like the relationship was no longer growing. Wow. Turns out that growth, the personal evolution in a relationship is critical to it being a good relationship. What are we doing in terms of developing a opportunity for our employees to get better in every aspects of their life? Now, what we do in our practice, we recommend that our clients build a personal growth strategy for each and every employee. It's a beautiful thing. It works with mathematical certainty, and it really achieves the goal of helping our stakeholders get to a better place while improving the productivity and return on employee value to us as an organization. So it's a really a win-win scenario. Another thing that's really important to keep in mind is that the only mission that matters, as you're thinking about your mission, the only mission that matters is a mission that is in the service of others. If you're not in that mission, move on to something else. If you are in that mission, 
you need to really, really make sure that every day in every possible way you're communicating to your stakeholders about what the mission is and why it's so important. So in retrospect, we have to really kind of go back and ask ourselves a lot of these kinds of tough questions. All right, so here's a summary. You need to do this because there's a talent drought. We will be competing for great talent. Not people. There's plenty of people out there. I'm talking about mission-critical, great talent. We need to increase productivity and presenteeism in a time of cost control, in a time of a shrinking economy and increased inflation. We have to get a better return for each FTE. We also have to make sure that we improve quality and that we improve all the other derivative benefits of presenteeism. And lastly, as I mentioned early on in the podcast, it's just simply the right thing to do. These people are in our care. It's a very big honor to have them in our care. And we need to take that care very, very seriously. We need to create a mission that matters. We need to communicate that mission. We need to be able to create a home-like environment that's free of bullying, that provides opportunities for people to grow and to evolve. And we have to do all of this in the service of others. I hope this helped you at least get interested in the concept of happiness as a strategy and human experience innovation. It's a really cool area of work. And I just had the opportunity to speak at one of the largest healthcare staffing events a few months ago. And I must have got an email from every single person in the audience. And there was a thousand, two thousand people there. And I really appreciated that because they all said, Nick, you're spot on. These are the, these are the things that we are now struggling with. And, and uh, some, of us had, some of them had great success stories. Some of them you know, were in the middle of their, of their implementation. But the good news is great people, great organizations, and certainly great leaders are leveraging the superpower of human experience innovation and formal HAAS strategies to get to a much better place. All right. I hope this helped you out. Sorry, I went two minutes over my 15-minute promise, but I really felt this was worth it. I hope all is great with you and in your life. I'm so excited to be part of your success journey in 2024. Until next time. You have been listening to the Future of Everything podcast with best-selling author and keynote speaker, Nick Webb. To continue getting hard-hitting, powerful insights, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. To learn more about Nick's consulting or speaking services, please visit Nick's website at nickweb.com.